Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to Germany in Focus, a weekly news podcast by The Local. Today we're going to talk about when the upcoming reduced price local public transport ticket for Germany is going to be available and discuss if tourists will be able to use it. Surging prices of everyday goods have been the norm recently, but will this continue? We'll discuss what the outlook is for 2023 and sadly why Germany's favourite drink is going to be more expensive. Germany's housing market is going through a turbulent time. We look at why property prices are falling, how it's affecting rents, and I talk to a real estate expert to find out if it's a good time to buy a home. And with lots of job cuts in the tech sector at the moment, we talk about how it affects people with EU blue cards in Germany. Lastly, the German film All Quiet on the Western Front is up for nine Oscars. I talk to a resident culture expert, Mike Stutchbury, about the movie, and then we'll discuss our favourite German films and TV series. I'm Rachel Loxton, and I'm in our Berlin studio today with journalists Imogen Goodman and Aaron Barnett. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello. Happy February. Yes. What a treat to have you both here again. So we're recording this on Wednesday, February the 1st. How are you both feeling about finally getting out of January and into a new month? Well, January is the worst. It's my least favorite month of the year. So bring on February. The days are a bit longer, even if the weather is still pretty meh. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The weather is still really, really grim at the moment. Uh, just horrible, wet, rainy, damp. But I'm also excited about the days getting longer. And I'm also excited that I've got some travel plans this month. So I'm going to be getting out of Berlin. Nowhere too sunny. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, mm-hmm. yeah, um, it's going to be exciting and make a nice change. Lucky you. Um, any other good events you've got coming up in Germany, Aaron? Well, I absolutely love Berlin Alle, um, the Berlin International Film Festival. It goes from the 16th to the 26th of this month, and it's considered one of the big three film festivals, along with Venice and Cannes, and it basically takes over movie theaters around the city. Uh, One year recently, over 400 films were screened over 10 days in, get this, over 900 separate screenings in theaters around town. You got films all over the world in the big competition, competing for the Golden Bear, the big prize. Uh, But there's also lots of smaller screenings or short films. There's a film screening really for just about everybody. I always try and make it to at least one, but I usually end up going to two, three, even four some years. Oh, nice. And when is that happening? Uh, The 16th to the 26th of this month. Yeah, soon. Sounds very good. Have to get some tickets. After some delays and doubt, the German government and states have said that the Deutschlandwide public transport ticket is going to start on May the 1st. This means that people can use local public transport all over Germany for €49 per month. Imogen, this is good news. The start date is finally here. What else can you tell us about the announcement? 
Yeah, it's definitely really good news. And it uh, feels like we've been waiting quite a while, actually. Uh, it's been five months now since the nine euro ticket ended last uh, September. The summer seems so long ago. It seems it, even longer. It does. It does. Five months is a long time. But, but as you say, it does feel like longer. And, uh, and we were supposed to have this ticket on January 1st. I think that's why it feels like it's been a long time. Yeah. I assumed, yeah. you know, it's like Germany, they do things fast. It'll, uh, of course it'll be, they there, be there in weeks. Uh, but now, finally, we do have confirmation that it is coming. The state government, the federal government have both said we're agreed that it will come on the 1st of May this year. And they also say uh, that you'll be able to set up an ABO, so a digital subscription from the 3rd of April. That's great news. I'm really excited about it. It, um, but there are a few complaints about it, especially at the local government level. We've had the head of the municipalities association basically saying that three months isn't really enough time to prepare for the ticket. Mm, and um, why wouldn't it be enough time? Well, that's a good question. Um, there are quite a few technical things to uh, iron out, but there are also some slightly bureaucratic things to deal with. Uh, so the first of them is the approval process in Germany. Um, as it currently stands, uh, this needs to be approved by hundreds of transport companies separately. Hopefully that will change. Um, otherwise, I don't know how they'll get it done in time. Yeah. Uh, so it looks like Transport Minister Volker Vissing um, is quite keen to kind of maybe replace that process with a process where just maybe one of the transport companies or the states can sign off on behalf of all these smaller companies. Mm -hmm. The other thing um, actually relates to EU law. So the ticket will be heavily subsidised. The government will be pouring sort of billions of euros into these transport companies. And there's a slight question about whether that will contradict uh, EU state aid law, mm -hmm. uh, which basically dictates that you can't kind of, there shouldn't be unfair competition by governments kind of promoting their various industries. Uh, however, the central government does seem pretty certain about this May deadline. So hopefully we should see those tickets go on sale from uh, April. They do have a lot to do. <laughs> I mean, they have to put the, this law again through the Bundestag as well, as well as through um, the EU and then all of these local transport companies, because ultimately that is where you buy the actual ticket, right? There's, yeah. no, there's no central sort of authority, you know, nationally that you buy it from. You have to buy it from, from your local transport company and yeah. they have to figure out how to roll it all out. Well, it's interesting because it felt like the nine euro ticket, they really managed to get that together quite quickly and you know, go ahead with it all, maybe because it was a temporary measure and it was kind of an, an inflation support yeah. measure for people. So maybe they got it in that way. And it's not quite clear how long this one will last, actually. I mean, for yeah. sure until the end of the year, but there's talk of whether it'll go on. They want it to be sustainable, right? Yeah, they want exactly. it to keep going. Yeah. Aaron, a few people have been asking us if they can use it when they're visiting Germany as a tourist. Is that going to be possible? Well, theoretically, yes. Um, practically is a different thing entirely. And that's because the 49 euro ticket, as Imogen said, is an ABO. It's subscription only. Now, we rang up regional public transport authorities all over Germany. Because uh, remember, as we've been saying, you this is where you have to buy it. You have to buy it from your local transport authority. And we ended up getting replies from Berlin, Hamburg, Frankfurt, Munich and Cologne. 
so a decent sample of uh, transport companies there in Germany. Legally speaking, there's nothing that says that a visitor to Germany can't subscribe to the 49 euro ticket. You can cancel it monthly. So if you're willing to commit to spending at least 49 euros for a month, you can subscribe and then you can just cancel it for the day that you leave. But again, you have to buy the ticket from a regional transport authority. You have to subscribe. And for that, you need to fill out special forms, either online or in person, uh, typically at a customer service center to subscribe to that ticket. You can't just go to a ticket machine and order yourself a subscription because those machines are typically only for one-off purchases. To fill out the subscription form, you need to have a European bank account for direct debits in a lot of cases. That's certainly what Berlin, Munich, and Hamburg have told us, that anyone wanting to subscribe has to have a European bank account that they can direct debit from, and that is the only way that they can pay for this ticket. Okay. Uh, so visitors from other EU countries should be fine. Uh, visitors from outside the EU may simply not have the payment methods uh, for certain cities. Okay, good to know. And and is it going to be only digital or will people be able to get a paper ticket? Do we know that? Well, the digital ticket, the digital ABO, is definitely what the central government are keen to do. They want everything to kind of be standardized across Germany. But um, already we're kind of seeing that states have their own opinion on this. So um, there's been a question about, well, what if people don't have smartphones? And so Bavaria are now saying, well, maybe we'll do a sort of chip card uh, that can be read all over Germany um, by the machines, but also, you know, won't rely on having a smartphone. Saxony, I think, want to do a similar thing, maybe with a paper ticket too. Mm -hmm. So it's all looking a little bit... (laughs) A little bit patchwork at the moment, and uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see if there's going to be sort of different rivalries between the states about how they're rolling out their ticket and how well they're doing it and, you know, what what discounts they're offering, things like that. Yeah, and we're, we're seeing some differences there. Um, certainly... Uh, Munich has uh, told us that they want to roll out a paper ticket even as a transitional measure. And both Cologne and Frankfurt, when we spoke to them, mentioned chip cards and their apps and everything else. They also did mention that they were looking to uh, have the option to pay by credit card, especially through their apps. Now, uh, as we've just said, that's something that other cities, particularly uh, Berlin, Munich and Hamburg, won't have. You just you need a European direct debit. But for Cologne and Frankfurt, uh, for tourists, non EU tourists, it might be worth checking to see uh, when they roll this out uh, what kind of credit cards they accept. Because if they accept a credit card that's uh, yours, <laughs> a non EU credit card, for example, then you could theoretically uh, subscribe to the 49 euro ticket if you buy it through them. And remember, it doesn't matter where you buy it. The ticket is valid from all across Germany. So I'm wondering if there will be a little bit of... uh little bit of regime shopping among different transport authorities there. <laughs> I imagine. And yeah, valid all across Germany, but not on like the high speed trains, of course, just in the in the local networks. Yeah, local and regional trains. No, no intercity express for you. Yeah, you got to buy a full price ticket for that. Yeah, and, full fat ticket. <laughs> and do we know, will it automatically change for the people who already have a subscription? Yeah, that's for people usually who live in Germany. They've got maybe like a 10 a.m. ticket or or another type of yearly ticket? Well, it does seem in our communications with these local transport authorities that a lot of details are still being ironed out. Uh, So it's 
hard to say for certain, but that is what they've been doing in previous tickets, both 9 euro and in Berlin's example, the 29 euro ticket, if you already have a subscription, uh, certainly in my case, uh, the only thing that changed for me is that the direct debit that came out of my bank account every month just suddenly changed and I didn't have to do anything. I would imagine that a similar thing would probably happen here too. Great. And the 49 euro ticket will be the standard monthly ticket, but some people could get it even cheaper, right? Yes, that's right. So another big announcement uh, that's come out in recent days was the plan to offer a special discounted ticket for employees of certain companies. Uh, So this is actually a system that we've got in Germany at the moment. It's called the job ticket. Um, It's where sort of big employers go to the transport companies, they buy tickets in bulk, and then they work out a special deal so that they can kind of sell them onto their employees as a nice little perk of the job. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks pretty certain that a similar scheme will be available when the 49 euro ticket comes in. We'll just have to wait and see how much of a discount this is, though. It might depend what kind of deal employers can wrangle for their staff. I think we can also inspect some more announcements on discounted tickets uh, for other groups in the coming weeks. Uh, so students is a big one. We know that students have been saying that 49 euros is still too expensive. They're pushing for their for a 29 euro education ticket, uh, mm-hmm. which would be available for trainees and people doing uh, sort of degrees in Germany. Bavaria's already said this is a great idea. We're going to do it, and we know that most states do offer sort of discounts for people on benefits, students, and stuff. So. It's pretty likely that we are going to see states kind of kind of jumping on board with this kind of thing. Really good update there, and still still a lot to work out. Obviously, yeah. guys, it just makes me feel like I really miss that nine euro ticket. That nine yeah. euro ticket was so easy. It was so simple. I remember when my parents visited me; they just got it at the airport, you know, in a paper form. They were like using it all the time and like raving about it. I loved it. You loved it. Who didn't love it? Well, it had a big it had a big effect too. I mean, it's like the highlight seen... of my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've seen plenty of reports that even show that it had a huge effect on keeping inflation down that actually inflation might have even been worse last year had there had there not been the nine euro ticket so it it really was a hit all around Loads of consumer products, from butter to coffee and everything else, have been getting more expensive over the past year. But now you may notice that a visit to your local German bar or Kneipe will get quite a bit pricier too. Aaron, is the inflation coming for your beer? Unfortunately, Rachel, yes, it is. I know. It's I'm sad it's, for it's you. Sad. Um, sad especially, yes, but for me particularly because Germany is one of the only places in the world I actually regularly drink beer. Um, yeah. You're um, a true German. Well, I mean, it's it's more to do with the rather unfortunate quality of North American beer where I come from. <laughs> but my Hefeweizen here is probably getting more expensive. Energy and logistics costs have gone up for producers. Uh, So us drinkers are going to be picking up that particular tab. Now, some have already raised uh, prices, but there are a few really big holdouts, one of which is Vashtina. And they've said that's it. As of February 1st, they're 
raising their prices as well. So again, the last holdout has fallen. The price of a barrel of draft beer is up by about 20 euros. And a hectoliter of bottled beer is up almost but not quite by 7 euros. Beer in Germany is known for being so cheap anyway, though, because like it's sometimes cheaper to get a bottle of beer than like a can of fizzy juice in the shop. This is true. I feel like alcohol in general is incredibly cheap here. It really is. It really is. When I first moved here, I remember being absolutely amazed that you could get a bottle of wine in the supermarket for two euros or less and still survive the night. And wake up in the morning, um, you know, well, feeling like you drank a bottle of wine, but but still a two euro bottle of wine. Yeah, like um, it wasn't really really bad. No, it was, no, right? it wasn't lighter fluid. It, it's quite astounding. <laughs> um, I, I mean, obviously, beer is very culturally significant here, um, but I do find it quite funny how much the price of beer is kind of played into this kind of identity thing. Um, yeah. So in Berlin, there are two uh, cheap beers that we have, Pilsator and Sterni. Um, and I remember they used to cost about 50 cents in the Späti. Um, more recently, they've kind of slid up and up. And a lot of people really believe that they can kind of chart the gentrification of the city uh, <laughs> through Sterni becoming sort of one euro. And the like Sterni index, <laughs> the, the Sterni <laughs> gentrification index. Absolutely. Um, What I didn't know um, previously, but actually found out about today, is that there's actually a regulation called the Gaststätte Gazette that states that in premises like pubs that serve alcohol, there has to be at least one non-alcoholic beverage that is cheaper than the cheapest alcoholic beverage, which is kind of... They have to specify. They have to specify. You you need a law like this. (laughs) This is the point, right? (laughs) You actually need need to have most places don't need a law like that it's quite amazing to say that yeah that that, look your juice should be cheaper than your vodka yeah (laughs) um i i'm quite astounded by that but i think they should make it a bit more specific and say that water should always be cheaper than beer because the price of water in restaurants is just it's, it's like we're it's, drinking posh water. Mm-hmm. Really is. Mm-hmm. And how much? How much do you think a big beer will cost? Then what are we talking? Well, it's hard to say because, of course, uh, it might be a little bit different in different parts of Germany. We have seen some newspaper reports that are suggesting that you might might have a pint of beer that's like seven euro fifty or something like that. Now, if we saw that in a place like Berlin, where you know, as we've been talking for years, beer was cheaper than water, as the old saying goes, I think that would be a major scandal. Maybe we'll see that in Munich or something like that, mm-hmm. because they're always mm-hmm. more expensive in a than fancy us anyway. Place. Yeah, fancy Munich you know beer sorry guys but in sorry, a fancy Munichers. bar as well surely yeah <laughs> i'm maybe. sure there's some great dive right. bars in munich yeah. but it's it's still a bit hard for us to say precisely what it's going to look like at the at the till okay and are we going to see continuing price rises in 2023 like we saw last year well, we are going to keep seeing inflation cost of living go up, unfortunately. Uh, however, economists are saying that we're not going to see it at quite the same level as we did last year. And so last year, 9 to 10% inflation numbers were pretty common uh, month on month. In 2023, we're more likely to see 6 to 7% numbers, so a little bit less. Those numbers do mask something crucial, though, which is how much food has gone up. Veggies are 10% more expensive. Meat and dairy is about 20% more expensive. 
And food producers say that higher energy costs are going to keep prices at a higher level this year. So your grocery bill isn't coming down. But the speed at which it's increasing should slow down a little bit. But uh, keep in mind that compared to many other countries, it still is fairly relatively cheap to, to buy groceries in Germany, as well as beer, as it turns out. Great. Thank you both so much. Really great reports there. We're going to talk about the housing market now. Property prices in Germany have been rising for years, but according to a recent survey from real estate platform ImmoScout24, house prices seem to be falling. Imogen, can you tell us a bit more? Uh, yeah, yeah. There are some amazing statistics coming out at the moment about the property market. Um, but as you say, the main story here is that property prices are actually falling, um, which is bucking a trend that has been going on for decades where prices are just going up and up and up. So generally, house prices are kind of measured with two timescales in mind. We've got the year on year and we've got the quarter to quarter. So kind of measured in these three months periods. Mm-hmm. So between the third quarter, July to September, last year and the fourth quarter October to December Scout found that prices had dropped by as much as 10% in some areas big drop it's a big drop that is kind of asking prices so we don't necessarily know how much they actually sold for but it tells this story of demand just kind of dropping around Germany at the moment and that's all to do with the economic climate uh, we've seen people's salaries squeezed by high inflation just as Aaron was saying and at the same time we've got interest rates going up, making mortgages more expensive. So someone who could have comfortably afforded to buy a property, maybe a flat in Germany last year, is now having to think twice um, about how feasible this is. Mm-hmm. Let's hear now from Peter Kleinvector, a senior consultant and experienced mortgage broker. He works at MLP Financial Consultants, and one of their focuses is on helping international residents buy homes in Germany. I started off by asking him if now was a good time to buy. We see in different regions, we see prices declining a little bit. Yes, it's because um, of the higher interest rates, they're nearly quadrupled related to the situation we had January last year. And a lot of market participants or buyers can no longer afford this higher mortgage payments, nearly four times higher than it was last year. Yeah. I see this myself on my, my own application uh, applications. Usually I get one or two per day. Yeah. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's half now. It's half now. It, they're still there, yeah. But to a lot of people, I have to say, oh, sorry, yeah. These banks are doing household calculations. That means they look, okay, what is your cost of living? They take a lump sum for the cost of living or a certain percentage of your income. 
then uh, they um, also have to consider the maintenance costs for the property. Yeah. And then, of course, these higher mortgage payments. And they even put something on top of the real mortgage payments to be on the safe side. Yeah. And okay. then very soon, uh, uh, quick, this you see that a lot of people can no longer afford it according to the bank regulations, you know? So this is very disappointing for them, of course, yeah, but what can I do? On the uh, other hand, there are still a lot of people that can afford it, yeah, still can afford it, but they're thinking of, hmm, should I do it now? Exactly because of you of your question, maybe prices will drop again. And all these people who cannot afford these loans to, to buy their own home, what are they doing? They are going on the, on the rental market. So they are now on top of the high demand we have already in Germany on the rental market in all these big cities, yeah, and the big seven, as we, we call it. Yeah, so Hamburg, Munich, and, and Berlin, blah, blah, blah. So they go on this market now. Yeah, And what happens then? Uh, we have the highest increase in rents we ever had uh, in the last half year in 22, 6% rents increase. So this again brings pressure to these people who can afford it, so they will buy. Yeah. And a lot of people who own the property, yeah, they are thinking, well, hmm, if I have to sell now, yes, then I make a discount of 10, maybe 15 percent. This is the maximum. Yeah. Prices in average uh, decline in the big cities, 1, 1.5 percent, not more. This is not much. And so they rather wait. Yeah. But there are some who have to sell now. They always want, they wanted to sell in the last half year of 2022. And they are now still selling on the market. And uh, they get a bit nervous and they make these discounts. So uh, buyers are in a very good position right now, especially if they want to purchase from developers, you know, a new development, right? Okay. So what are developers doing? They have a plot, they have a planning, they did like two years ago, and now they want to bring their, their, their property on the market. Interesting. So what you're kind of saying, Peter, it really seems like a very mixed picture and really does depend on how much savings you have, for example, what position you're in, because it does seem like it's quite difficult to get a mortgage at the moment. Yes, it depends. So if you have a good deposit, also deposits increased significantly uh, during the last two years. It was the, the average deposit was 120, then it increased to 140k thousand euros, and now it's even uh, the average is 150,000. I read today, yeah, in a study from one of the big platforms. Interesting. Yes, and then I mean, your readers are mainly experts, right? And uh, a lot of them are not Europeans, so they are here on a blue card status, which means they uh, not every bank is available for them or boldly speaking, just two or three banks are available for them. Really? They can't get uh, all the banks? No, they can't. Yeah, Because the banks have in their terms and regulations that you need to be either a German citizen or an EU citizen yeah, who cannot be kicked off the EU, you know. And mm -hmm. if you're on a blue card status, you have, if I'm not wrong, three years which then can be extended to an unlimited residence permission, Niederlassungserlaubnis, it's called. And once you have this Niederlassungserlaubnis, this unlimited residence permission, all banks are open for you. Mm -hmm. But we are kind of specialized for these blue card clients as well. We found three banks. Sometimes some local banks also are available. We have our own bank, MLP. Yeah, so, and I worked on them quite hard during the last years. So they accept blue card holders as well. So you get a mortgage, a loan, if you are hold of a blue card, but it's not so easy. I can imagine. And, and what is the experience of buying a home in Germany like when it comes to, say, fees or any other things that maybe we, we wouldn't be familiar with? 
wants to say, okay, this is my this is a nice apartment, a nice house, I, I buy this. Then you go to the notary, and then it starts the the the, the money counter starts ticking. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you have to pay notary fees, usually up to two percent based on the purchase price. They decline the higher the purchase price is, and the less loan you're taking. To up to 2%, then based on the state you're living in, you pay between 3.5% Bavaria or 6%, 6.5% sometimes, 6% in Berlin, 6.5% Brandenburg, 6% Hamburg, and so on. Yeah, Purchase tax, not negotiable. The, yeah, you your Berlin to needs it. to have kindergartens and all this stuff are built from that, yeah. And yeah, then depends. Uh, you have to pay also um, a property agent fee. Uh, since 2021, it halved. Before it was 6% in Berlin, but also in a lot of other states and regions, 6% plus VAT. So it was 7.14%. And now um, in 2021, the government says, well, it's too much and too much to be paid only by, this, by, the, by the buyer. So now it has to be halved between seller and buyer. So now you pay maximum 3.57% okay. agent fee. But if you buy something from a developer, again, developers, yeah, you usually don't have to pay any property agent fee because you buy directly from the one who's producing it. So there's nothing, no one in between. So you don't have to pay him. Or okay, great. And, and Peter, going back to what you were saying in the beginning about the, the outlook at the moment, I wonder, how do you think it will develop throughout 2023? Do you have any predictions? The political will for high interest is quite low. Yeah, They have mm-hmm. to increase it now because they want to stop inflation. But sooner or later, they will go down again. When this will be, I don't know. Also, the interest rates for mortgages, for loans will de- decline. And therefore, um, it's more affordable again by property. And therefore, prices will increase again. Yeah. And mm-hmm. as, for example, here in Berlin, they are not building new housing estate enough. Yeah, They're far behind their promises, and this will keep on. So the pressure on the market is still high, especially in the big cities. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of demand now, not only from professionals coming from abroad, also the, the domestic market is quite fierce. And now the, all the Ukrainian refugees are, uh, are here and also put pressure on the on the market. So it's not a situation where I can tell you, well, you will see a decline in, in property prices. I don't see that. We've been hearing about lots of job cuts in the global tech sector recently, such as at Amazon, Microsoft and Google. And last week, German software firm SAP announced it was to lay off 3000 members of staff. Imogen, SAP is a large employer in Germany. Do we know how these cutbacks will affect staff here? Yeah, um, that's right. They're an absolute veteran of uh, Germany's tech industry. So SAP have been around since the 70s, and they're basically known for cloud hosting and kind of software solutions for other companies. So recently, uh, they've made an announcement that they want to cut 2.5% of their global workforce. Uh, They employ about 120,000 people around the globe. uh, So that equates to around 3,000 people. 
In Germany, they employ at least 16,000 members of staff at their Baden-Württemberg headquarters. And they also employ people in Berlin at their SAP Labs kind of startup. Mm-hmm. Reuters has reported that a little over 200 jobs are going to be cut here in Germany. So that will have an impact on, on some of these staff. And why are they making the cutbacks? So the official line is that they want to grow other areas of the business and focus on those. But the other part of the story is that their profits have really been slipping year on year. This might be part of the sort of global story in terms of the uncertain economic climate, Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you're selling to other companies and they don't want to invest. That's where sort of cutbacks start to have to happen because profits are going down and they want to make savings. Um, We are seeing this, as you say, across the tech sector in general. So this is really a sort of broader picture of things slowing down and companies being just that little bit more cautious about their outgoings. We talked about the different parts of Germany's unemployment support during a previous episode. So if anyone listening is affected and is interested in hearing about that, you can listen to the episode called The Big Problem with the German School System and Can You Pass a Citizenship Test? Today, we thought we'd focus on what happens if you lose your job if you have an EU blue card, which is a really popular permit for non-EU nationals coming to Germany to work. Aaron, what can happen in this case? So EU blue cards in Germany are normally issued for the duration of your job contract plus three months. So this is important. Uh, You'll see why in a second. If you have a two-year contract, for example, you'll get a blue card that's valid for two years and three months. Now, EU blue cards are particularly issued to non-EU nationals who have certain skills that are in short supply. Math, computer science... Uh, medicine, software development, that sort of thing. So Germany is looking to keep you if you hold one of these. That's why if you lose your job, your EU blue card remains valid for you to stay in Germany for three months from your last day. If you find a new job in that time, you can apply for a new blue card that covers you as long as that job also meets the requirements of a blue card. So those requirements are a university degree and an annual salary of around 58,000 euros. Now, that's reduced to 45,000 euros annual salary in certain fields. So those fields are, again, math, computer science, and medicine, for uh, example. Okay, so for developers and such, I know there's a lot of them in Germany. Yeah. come to Germany from yeah. abroad. And what happens if your three months run out and you haven't found a job yet? Now, don't panic, <laughs> first of all. If your three months runs out and you still haven't found another position, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to leave the country. You can apply for, at that point, for a six-month job seekers visa that will allow you to stay in Germany and keep looking for a job that relates to your qualifications. So in total, uh, you have nine months here uh, between those two periods uh, before you really start running into issues. Good to know. It's a bit of a scary time, though, especially for people working in tech, including startups, with these companies kind of restructuring or cutting back. Is there any good news out there? Well, certain sectors in Germany are still running short of staff, particularly in machinery and electronics. Uh, Airbus alone is looking to fill about a thousand positions this year just in Hamburg. IT is an interesting one as well. Even though we're seeing large companies lay off staff, there's plenty of smaller and medium-sized enterprises out there that are looking to snap up that talent. 
Uh, so pay attention to to companies that you might know a little bit less about or haven't heard that much about before, because there's a decent chance that they might be looking to poach uh, some some people from these bigger company that these bigger companies have just let go. Thank you so much to both of you for that, and we'll include links on all these stories in the show notes. German film All Quiet on the Western Front, or Investen nichts Neues, as it's known in Germany, has been nominated for nine Oscars and could become the first German movie to win an Academy Award in March since The Lives of Others, which was back in 2007. History and culture expert Mike Stutchbury is here to tell us about the film and the reaction to it. Mike, nine Oscar nominations, that's a lot. What's so good about this film? I don't know whether it's what's so good about this film, although the cinematography and several of the performances have been praised, but it is the first German adaptation of Eric Maria Hrumach's very seminal anti-war uh, novel. So the, the previous two versions, I think there was an American one and, 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 and an English one in the 1930s and the 1970s. So this is the first time that the Germans are having a go at sort of adapting their own story uh, that has had a very, very strong influence across the 20th century. I mean, the novel itself has had a, a fairly turbulent history as well, being banned by Goebbels during the Nazi era as being unpatriotic and essentially, you know, downplaying the role of, you know, those heroes who fought gloriously in the First World War. I think it's an interesting time for this film to come out considering what's going on in Europe. And it's, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why this is this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And nine nominations is nothing to nothing to sneeze at either. Absolutely. And, and what has been the reaction to the film in Germany? Oh, it's mixed. Uh, there's quite a few critics that are sort of saying that the film strays too far from the source material. Some others have praised this deviation. What essentially is, it happens in the film is that you sort of follow a, a figure called Matthias Erzberger, who ended up signing the armistice. Um, so you sort of see the politics in play, and that removes it from the experience on the front. And that's what one of the things that the novel sort of been praised for over, over the decades. You know, you sort of, it's not the the story of the, of the big figures, it's just the story of this young conscriptee, Paul, who's, who gets into you know, who goes through the hell of the Western Front. Um, mm-hmm. But they've got Daniel Brühl playing Matthias Erzberger, you know, so he's, he's, he's a very celebrated actor and his performance has been praised, but many critics are saying it's a bit weird that they want to turn it into a bit of a historical epic like this. I guess that the main reason that it's been causing such a fuss in terms of resonance is that the, the war in Ukraine at the moment is on everybody's mind and a lot of the debate in Germany is how involved do we, we as in the Germans, get in this conflict? And of course, we all know that the, the that there was a lot of hand wringing over sending tanks to Ukraine, and you know, mm-hmm. Schultz has come out and said, "Oh, we're not going to send fighters." Uh, and there's a lot of debate. Um, it, yeah, it's a very fierce debate in German politics. And, you know, Germans have long memories and they remember that, that you know, essentially twice in the 20th century, they were the, the instigators of, of, a, of a massive conflict. So I think it's sort of maybe uh, touches a raw nerve there in terms of, you know, this is what happened when we got involved or, you know, we <laughs> we were dragged into a conflict. And it, it really is, I mean, it is a brutal novel. I remember I read it as I think I was 13 or 14 when I first read it. My, my English teacher gave it to me and I was... You know, I'm, I was genuinely shocked at, at, you know, that somebody would write this down. The experiences of the soldiers was, were, were just horrific. It was the vision of hell. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why it's particularly resonated uh, both in, in Germany and, and in America, because obviously there's there's been so much 
talk about the Ukraine war. And of course, in, in, in America, there's a lot of rising anti-war sentiment as, as well. So yeah, it, it's come out at the right time, I think, to sort of start spark some very important conversations. And do you recommend the film? I, I actually highly recommend it. I mean, I used to be a high school teacher and I couldn't quite get across how a terrible trench warfare was and the experience of these soldiers. I mean, the, one of the big strands of the novel is that Paul and his, and his um, fellow soldiers, inspired by speeches, inspired by rhetoric about, you know, glorious heroes dying for the fatherland. And it, they re that really comes across in, in, in the film. They really sort of get that right. The fact that these young men are sort of being told, oh, it's, you know, it's glorious to go and, you know, either fight for your country or, or die for your country. And I think that, yeah, like I said, the film does a very good job of, of visualising that, of, of making that real, of, of giving you a, a feeling for what they would have felt at that time. Do you think it has a chance of winning any Oscars? I'm looking at the at the rest of the field. I have a sneaking suspicion. I mean, don't I'm not putting any money on it, but I think it might actually <laughs> take best picture. Best um, picture, cool. Purely because of the content, and I, I maybe that's a little cynical. Maybe because of the subject matter. Maybe that's cynical, but I have a feeling that it it, it might do, it might get that. Mike in Stuttgart, thank you so much for talking to us today. As always, it's a pleasure. No worries. Thank you very much. Guys, I'd love to know your recommendations for German films or TV series. Well, I haven't actually seen the film yet, um, but I do really want to recommend Erich Maria Remarque's book to people. Yeah. So All Quiet and the Rest in Front. Um, I read it a long time ago while I was doing my A-levels, and it's absolutely devastating. Um, so do have some tissues ready. But it's also an incredible depiction of the First World War from a German soldier's point of view. So on a... On a completely different note um, one thing I've been getting into lately on German TV is Polizeiruf um, 110 so that's actually the East German version of Tatort or the Eastern German version of Tatort so just like Tatort so it it's has... a crime crime series exactly um, there are different sort of police teams all around sort of Eastern Germany and it um, takes place in a different one each each episode or it does mostly. There are there are characters obviously that, that recur. I don't know if there are quite as many different sort of teams as they have in um, in the West German version in Tartort, but there are certainly some interesting characters. You've got a sort of half Polish, half German, who actually has recently left the series so oh <laughs> <But> sad <laughs> yes it's sad but he's been replaced by a kind of genderqueer character who's moved from Berlin um, so you can see kind of modern topics coming in there but I just think it's it's really fun it's well written it's if you love a kind of gripping crime drama then I think it would be a really great thing to check out nice tip Aaron well, The Lives of Others, which was just mentioned as being the uh, the last German film that won an Oscar back in 2007, uh, plus Goodbye Lenin. Those are my two um, absolute recommends, big classics, must-watches in my book if you haven't seen them yet. Uh, more recently, though, my choices are all about the fierce ladies. I've recently loved watching Kudam 56, which is about three sisters and their mother at a West Berlin dance school in the 1950s and early 60s. So it's a really nice peek, actually, into West Berlin at, yep. that, at that time, the 50s and 60s. Cleo is a big favorite of mine lately, and uh, I'd describe it as a bit of a cross between Goodbye Lenin and Killing Eve, uh, also a favorite show of mine in the last couple of years. It's about a Stasi assassin named Cleo who goes out for revenge against her old bosses after the Berlin Wall falls. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. She 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 gets a quite she gets a fair few of them. 
it's uh, it's it's not a show to watch if you're faint-hearted. Let's just say, <laughs> let's just say that. Um, cool. And finally, Die Kaiserin, um, the Empress, about Austrian Empress Sisi, and it's one of the most watched German series um, ever at this point. Uh, and it's just been renewed for a second season. I would recommend Christiana F. Via Kinder vom Bahnhof Zoo. And this is a film set in 1970s West Berlin. So you're seeing that kind of decade. It's kind of also not for the faint-hearted. There, it's about a, a teenager who gets involved with drugs and prostitution. Um, but she's also a really big David Bowie fan. And he is in the film and he's done loads with the soundtrack. So that's how I had got into that film when I was young when I was discovering David Bowie. And it's really nice to see Berlin at that time. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we'll add links in the show notes for the stories we've been talking about today. You can support our work and journalism by heading to thelocal.de slash podcast offer and becoming a member if you aren't already. Thank you to this week's panellists, Imogen Goodman and Aaron Burnett, and to Peter Kleinvector, Mike Stutchbury, and our sound engineer, Reese Edwards. You can follow us on Twitter. Our username is Germany in Focus. And please leave a review or a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts, especially if you liked us. We'll be back again next Friday. Until then, take care. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.